Okay. Okay. It's goddamn freezing in there. What are you talking about today? Four reasons why you gotta buy now. So go buy now. Let's go. I'm just looking for the goddamn episode now. 259. You'll tell me now. Okay. Someone's on top of it. Episode 259. Okay. Sound is good. Lighting is good. Air conditioning is good. Camera is good. Angle is good. Hairline is deficient. Welcome to episode 259. Today, we don't have a title yet, but it's gonna be something along the lines of buy now. Top four reasons you should buy today. Four things that'll happen if you buy today. Always remember to like and subscribe. I never say this. You can do the bell. Uh, be notified when we upload these every Thursday. Every week. Every single week. Without fail. Um, so, I want to start this off with a stat that I read. We've touched on this briefly before, but there's a stat derived. It's very difficult to find up-to-date stats. A lot of the stuff are lagging indicators, and we got to kind of piece together from Stats Canada to CMHC and, and, and. But this stat I read initially through <clears throat> MLA's website, uh, which is a real estate marketing, pre-sale, and, and, and company. So they've got a lot of detail, a lot of insight, a lot of grasp into the market. They took StatsCan details in a report in February that stated that 50% of owners of real estate in Vancouver do not hold a mortgage. That is outright ownership, no mortgage, on their real estate holdings. So, what is that? That is the highest equity position of any city in Canada, is what that is. Uh, that progressed after the pandemic began, apparently. Uh, so we got up to this number, I believe this is the first time ever, but we got up to this number, I mean in recent history, as long as I've been alive, uh, we got up to this number uh, post-pandemic, and some of you were out there burning through that cheap cash, and others were hoarding, saving, being good boys and girls, paying down their debts, building that equity, so they have no more stress. Uh, so, 50%, but what does this mean to the people that don't have real estate right now? had a conversation with a young gentleman yesterday which has stimulated this, this narrative of today's uh, video. And what that means, in my opinion, is market stability. If half the market is not affected by the micro or macro circumstances of the world to the degree of uh, the narratives we're hearing through the news every day, people can't afford to eat, people can't afford to pay their mortgage, all these things, if 50% of the real estate holders are not applicable to any of these pressures, that means stability in the market. Um, you're not gonna motivate them with these pressures to do what they don't wanna do, basically, which is uh, sell. So the bulk of the majority, the bulk of the majority, the majority of movement we see in the real estate market is people buying up. Um, so you get into the market, you get more money, you buy up, you have a family, you buy up, 
And then what we saw a few years ago, it started, the calls were starting to be made that these goddamn baby boomers, they are gonna sell and they're gonna all move into condos and they're gonna fill all these pre-sales everywhere. Those houses are gonna hit the market. They're gonna hit the market at mass. That means inventory is there, prices are gonna come down. The new generation can come in and get that Canadian dream, get that house, not that condo or that townhouse or that half duplex. And it never happened. We're a generation of doers. Not whiners. And we're doing great. It has happened in pieces. My parents did it, for example. Don't talk to my dad about what he sold at and what he could have if he waited, but that's a whole other story. But at mass, that never happened. That generation is mortgage free. They've got the comfort of living in their homes. Even if they're living on one level, you got an upstairs, you got a downstairs, don't need to use it. It doesn't matter because it doesn't cost anything because it's free. On top of that, uh, we're seeing a lot of those non-mortgage holders getting reverse annuity loans, so borrowing against the home, the equity in the home, line of credit, reverse annuity, whatever you want to call it, whatever structure you do, to lend the kids the equity to then buy into the markets now. So you've got a much different dynamic than we initially thought. Fundamentally speaking, 50% of the market is anchoring prices. If they don't wanna sell at a price they don't wanna sell at, then they're not gonna sell, chances are. Um, and what does that do for the rest of us fighting for the scraps in the market? Well, that comes to today's topic and the four things. Now, another last point on this, Again, a convoluted number being pieced together with different from different parties with lagging indicators. I think from what I've gathered, I'm confident to say without stamping it proof proven, uh, the 62% of real estate in the city of Vancouver is owned real is owned property, and 38% are occupied by renters. So just to give you some perspective there. So number one. Start building equity today. Time in the market, not timing the market. There is, if you're on the outside, there is never a good time to buy. Uh, it's never cheap. There are under 10 times in the last two decades, I would argue that the market paused or potentially dipped in value. And if you weren't ready, willing, and able to jump, we all know the old, the old adage, when it's going up and it's gonna go up forever, when it's softening or going down, we just think it's gonna keep going. So we're all smarter than the market, right? So we wait and then it dips and it takes off again and now you're behind anyway, so you should have just done it when you could. So what are we getting at with this? You can't pick tops and bottoms of the market, um, but you can start building that equity as soon as you can afford to get in. Um, those caveats to getting in, affordability, buy something, don't be stupid, don't over leverage yourself. Now that you've seen, no one saw it in the last 20 years, but now all of a sudden they've seen rates can actually go up. Um, keep that in mind. Random point from the end of the video that I'll just bring up on that. June inflation was 2.8 and we just jumped back up to 3.3. Christopher Freeland did a little happy liberal dance that it came down so well and now it's back up. Keeping in mind that the rates can continue to go up, the rates may pause, the may, rates may drop, but it's a moving object like anything else. So you can't beat the market. So 
what you can do is get in as soon as you can and start building that equity and you're building towards a better day of selling. And when you sell, you take advantage in your principal residence of the largest tax break that our amazing government will give you, which is the capital gains exemption. Meaning you buy for a million, you sell for two million, that million growth is all tax-free. So join the ranks of the people that have the option to be open to that tax break when they feel like it. Buy today. Time in, not timing the market. Okay. Number two, when rates come down, again, this conversation I had with this young gentleman yesterday, well, once the rates come down, won't that make the market busier because money will be cheaper? Yes. The market is busy today with the limited inventory that we have on the market. The rates, people are dealing with it. There's enough people out there that multiple offer situations are taking place. Uh, the amount of sales are dramatically down, but the velocity of the sales, meaning how quickly things are leaving the market, how much attention they're getting, is up. In my opinion, when rates do come down, that will free up a lot of people whose hands are currently tied by these high rates to then say, okay, I'm ready, I'm jumping in, the money I can borrow is now cheaper, let's use it. So that will inevitably happen. We're seeing a lot of people that are getting in today get in on two and three year terms, uh, giving themselves flexibility, assuming that rates will come down. I think it's obvious the way things are going as well. Again, I don't put too much merit into these specific inflation metrics that they use, but the fact of the matter is that prices of a lot of things are up. Um, and when rates come down, as they inevitably will to try and soften all the hardship that's being done right now by the government, softening again by the government. You ask your government for help and they will always make it more expensive, never forget that. That, yes, when money is cheaper, people take it, as we saw during the pandemic at mass. When it's easy, they take it. So people are currently locked in their homes because the people that do have a mortgage, for example, I have a 2.95 mortgage with a couple years left. Let's say I wanna buy up, I wanna play that game. Uh, I want to spread out the rooms for my kids and I want more space. I gotta pre-qualify for all that new money at 8%. I'm not doing it. So I'm, in theory, locked in where I am because it's too cheap to give up. I can probably port that portion of the mortgage, but when I wanna add the extra 200, 500, a million, whatever you choose to do, to the mortgage to buy that bigger, nicer place, which is the bulk of most transitions, it's too expensive, so I'm not gonna do it. So I'm waiting to do that. And people that are on the sidelines, you could, you could use this as a double-edged sword. Well, when the money's cheaper, it's gonna be easier for me. Yes, it will be, but it's easier for everyone else as well. So will the volatility of the market come down? I highly doubt it. I don't like narrating this towards everything being the market will always go up and the market will always be busy because that's not the case. But there's a lot of things at play when you get all this government layering on top of what was once maybe to a certain degree a free market. Um, it makes things dramatically more volatile and doesn't always work in the favor of the people who vote these people in and hope it does. But anyway, no more government talk today. Okay, number three. Uh, you can do this in any market, and this is just up to you. Once you get these pre-approvals in place and you're ready to buy 30, 60, 90 day pre-approval, 120, not 30. 60 to 120 days, I think is the typical pre-approval line. Um, depending on lender, 
we've said it before, there are good and bad buildings out there. Take your time, use your agent's knowledge, pick a good agent who has experience, use the knowledge to get you into buildings worth buying. And, and this will pay off mostly, obviously through your process of owning, but at the other end when you go to sell. How does that work? When you buy into a good building, uh, you search for buildings with good histories, good track records of spending money as they should be spending money. Every building should be spending money, but there aren't stupid things going on. They're not prolonging fixes that are just festering and getting worse. There are good and bad buildings. There are good and bad stratas within the framework of the building that are making decisions that are hurting or helping the building physically. Um, getting into a building that is good, nurturing that building, vote accordingly, pay the assessments, go to the meetings. This is, for most of you, the biggest purchase of your lives, so take it seriously. And by that I mean, yes, go to the strata meetings, know what's happening. You own your 600 or your 2,000 square feet in the building. Obviously, I'm not talking about houses right now. Houses, do the gutters, do the roof, keep things up to date, of course, as well. But stratas, it's a bit more convoluted. But go to the meetings, get involved, make the right decisions. Um, because when you go to sell and the market is elevated, uh, you are selling a good unit in a good building and those decisions along the way are what has done that. And when people are looking, let's say you sell in a not so busy market where people aren't just throwing their money at whatever comes to market and they're being a bit more picky, then you have the best option out there. So take your time always to buy into the best building today to really help future you when you go to sell when there's a clean slate of two years of minutes as we always get, the form B's, blah, 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 all this sort of stuff is clean and easy for someone to look at and say, yes, this is a good option. And finally on that, um, I think nowadays, especially we need to really take into consideration the flexibility um, as an owner, as your largest sum of money placed into this thing. The bylaws in the building are of utmost importance. We've seen a removal of rental restrictions uh, as of late. Based on uh, the affordability circumstance that we're all going through right now in the city. Um, but pet restrictions, remove them. Rental restrictions, remove them. I get the short-term rental thing, that's a, a niche question, but uh, bar you see places not allowed barbecues on the patio. Remove them. You need to make this investment, and while you're on title of a strata unit in a strata building, you have a voting right. You have a selection of people around you, fellow owners. You can motivate decisions. Sales 101, let's go. Um, to get people to create the most sellable asset that they can, and that means flexibility. Can someone come in and rent? Yes. Have dogs? Yes. Use a barbecue? Yes. Do short terms? Sure, if you like it. Um, but really creating the best environment for future you to sell the best option possible. And of course, that just leads us perfectly into number four, which is give yourself options. Once you place your money into the real estate environment as a principal residence, 
as we've said before, you're now exposed to the capital gains benefit. You are now building equity automatically instead of paying rent. I'm not saying paying rent is a bad thing. There's a time and a place for it, A, and B, if you can manipulate that, you get cheap rent, and the difference you would be paying to own, you've leveraged elsewhere for higher percentages, and you're educated enough to do that, then that could be a very much smarter thing to do with your money. Not everyone should buy, and not everyone obviously can buy. But if you can, and if you choose this vehicle, you're exposing yourself to that equity build, to that tax benefit at the other end. And again, the options along the way. Um, if you have a large stock portfolio, yes, it may be paying you dividends or not, but you can't rent it out. Uh, for, a, for an amount and downgrade your life and go rent somewhere else yourself for cheaper. You can't rent a room short term, give or take the unit. Um, you can't renovate to build value and then sell at an inflated price. You can't just, I'm gonna say sell, you can just sell, stocks are more liquid than real estate, but you can't have the options to manipulate the investment uh, in any other, I mean, a business you can, but in, in this example, in the stock market or real estate, I mean, these are all the three top types, but you've got a lot of option here to manipulate the asset while staying in the market and being exposed to that natural growth we're gonna do. Because always remember, Inflation is manufactured again by the government. They like to keep their 2%. What does that do? That keeps the prices of things inflating every year. Uh, as the money supply widens, it devalues. The price of the things you buy goes up. Specifically, stocks are affected by this. Food and all products we've seen are affected by this. Uh, as is real estate, as a holding play. I want to save money, I want to secure money, I need to buy assets that are going to be resilient to the economic environment and assets that will rise with time. So as the money supply widens, as it will naturally, as we've seen with essentially every government, left or right, um, the asset prices will continue to climb. So I don't believe, we've long ago in the, in the conversation of, well, it's detached from local uh, incomes. That myth was busted decades ago that you don't need local income attachment for real estate prices to do anything. We've got a lot of immigration here, as we know, that's not gonna stop. It may slow, but it will never stop. Um, so you're always gonna have that attention to real estate, you're always gonna have those prices climbing. I hate to say it, if it's like this or like this or over a short period or a long period, I think everyone can assume they will climb. Back to the first point, everything we can all agree on is when should we have bought real estate? Any time before today in the last 20 years and you would have been better off. I don't see that trend changing. Again, I'm not saying Vancouver is isolated and it's never gonna happen. We're obviously in a dip right now. Uh, structurally speaking, but with everything that's going on, I believe five years out, 10 years out, 15 years out, uh, that prices will be higher. And with that, give yourself options to, while you're on that journey and it's happening in the background, you've got options with that asset to manipulate it to best suit your needs. That's the top four. Some other random facts I saw that was quite interesting. Um, Purpose-built rentals, so specifically built rentals, uh, not me buying a condo and renting it out, not me renting my basement suite out, but specifically built rentals. 18.5% of homes apparently in Vancouver 
uh, are purpose-built rentals. Did you know that all? 25.7% of New Westminster homes are purpose-built rentals. That's the highest in uh, the Lower Mainland here, which was also very interesting. And again, on this rental trend, back to the start with the, uh, the numbers highlighted, 38% of the market being uh, rental homes right now, 62% ownership, and 50% of that ownership as free and clear. Uh, we've also got, of course, those numbers potentially shifting percentage-wise with the new Burrard Bridge project coming underway. I'm not gonna try and pronounce the name, but you've got another 6,000 plus rental units coming there. And our beloved Jericho lands that we talked about last week, another 3,900 plus proposed rental units there. That is proposed purpose-built rentals, not to mention all the pre-sale market units that will be thrown into the rental pool as well from our beloved investors, keeping the thing going. Al, time. We're double. Well, we're working our way down. That's today. That's the four reasons why you should buy today. Those are not go out and buy and blow your brains out financially today, but those are the, the train tracks that your mind should be on when you're thinking about real estate. Not, it's getting away from me, I gotta get it because I wanna own one day. Not, Vancouver always goes up and it's never gonna go down, so I just gotta get it because I gotta own one day at, at any cost, buying any piece of real estate. There is garbage and there is good real estate, never forget that. Um, but these are the mindsets that if you're getting into real estate, how you should be thinking about it, always with the underlying caveat, only buy what you can afford. See you next week.